Welcome everyone. I'm so delighted that you're all here. And this is going to be a truly interesting time as we spend um, the next uh, however minutes we're going to do this. And I know that almost never that Sir Ed and myself are, that, that you don't see us together on camera and hearing us uh, just having a discussion with wonderful Carillians around us. And so we thought it'd be really fun tonight to have um, a question and answer session. And within this session, these are questions that were taken uh, through years and years of many, many different types of people come up with very deep questions. And we thought, well, let's tackle those tonight. And those will be asked by our uh, fantastic Krillians uh, around us. So let's begin. And by the way, here's Sir Ed and I'm Reverend Stephanie Neal. Lovely temple here, so so I have to have. We're out here in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, let's start the questions. Okay. Hi, Maxine. This question uh, really stood out to me uh, from the ones offered because it's something I'm having trouble with. I want to uh, start the priesthood, but I always like start with a lot of enthusiasm, and then it just I don't follow through. So what makes a good student is question. Uh, I wish I told, could tell, answer you. I'm a terrible student. <laughs> you should look at my grades at it. But I'm a good learner. So one of the best things is you can't really learn something that you don't have a passion for. You can learn by rote. If you, if you don't have a passion for it and you have to learn it, you just memorize it for as long as it takes to take the test. Um, I mean, you know, that sounds like a real cop-out for people, but it's, uh, it's a way of doing it. It's really hard not to learn about the passion, so you have to find what you're passionate about it. Um, there's three, there's really three steps, you know, what do you have to know, what you have to, you know, what you want to learn, and what you really find out of it. So you just have to find one thing that you really liked out of it, and focus on that. Otherwise, you just grind through it. How about you, Stephanie? Uh, I think a good student, uh, sometimes if they can, see sees the end product, uh, which is you, that you you have goals and you know that uh, possibly by being a clergy member that it will, will help you uh, enrich your goals and reach your goals, but then also being a student is a journey. So there's lots and lots of lessons in the beginning and then there's a middle and then there's an end and then there isn't an end because the lessons never really end. So possibly maybe not focus in, in on what you're feeling at the moment that's like, okay, I'm over, I'm just overly busy or I, I've lost my enthusiasm. Well, just think about all those people that are missing out uh, on you. And as a, for, as a priestess of the goddess, so now you have a little bit more motivation there, knowing that, well, I, I know I'm here to help others and help them have a brighter life. So maybe I should crack the books just a little more, or maybe it's uh, your style of learning doesn't fit the standard way of learning. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's all kinds of styles of learning, that some people are tactile, that they need to have something, an object, a challenge, something to make with their hands, and they're learning just as much. Or there's people that are cerebral, cerebral in, in the sense of the, uh, focusing very heavily on the meditations, and all their focus is really on meditations. There's so many fantastic clergy that come through with, with that, and they come through with amazing gifts, so to really uh, identify what you like, how do you like to learn something, uh, the action-wise that you want to apply it, 
practically like oh, I'm just reading words in this book I I need to see this in living color I, I need to apply it or see someone else uh, apply it uh, or, or help someone apply it uh, be it uh, setting up a ritual yourself or leading a guided meditation you know, you know the, the whole list and so at that point you are, you're still learning well how do you take the test well there's lots of ways that we can work with the person that it doesn't have to be the multiple choice uh, that uh, you know, it could be a, a verbal it could be it, I don't want to go through that list too but because it, it has to be fashioned that it'll, it will share your loves to help you re recognize what this is a springboard okay now I get it I'm jumping on a springboard and I get it and I now I'm, now I'm ready to uh, jump off of it so just think of it maybe in those terms that, that just don't think that you have to be smashed into a box does that help or a little bit so okay my daughter would be even miss for me to say because we've got we base the ritual systems on those mm -hmm. read write it read it write it watch it watch the videos and listen audio so you can get through all through your senses so you read it you write it you watch it you listen and we have all those systems available available so that's the easiest formula you can do and that's a good point that it, that which I know that you're an avid reader anyway, but a person that isn't, Lord Dawn has all the lessons on video and audio and, and audio, so mm -hmm. everything is covered in a sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, all right. So, is there another question you want? To, uh, okay. Yeah, good. All right. Thank you. Sure. So my question is, I've heard. Um, I've heard this throughout the years in many different forms and I'm now experiencing it myself is that being pagan I find like there's my spiritual self which is on one side and my mundane self which is on the another side and I'm not having that balance that I'd like and I don't know like does it need to be balanced is there a way it could be blended or how what advice do you have for that to I guess bring it together or does it need to be separate or how would that work? Can we answer first? Uh, sure. Okay, so I'm at the Pagan. I became that um, because I didn't allow much of a life between it. So I, when I started, I was as scared as everybody. And I used, uh, so I was, I used all sorts of magical names to get in the way and things of that nature. And that created a real essence of me separated. So that I, it almost made me a liar at times so that I wouldn't be able to do it. So. It doesn't have to be blended. No one has to know what your religion is. No one knows has to know anything about, about it. The number one thing you have to do is get other people's judgment out of your head. You can't care if they praise you. You can't care if they insult you. If you're hunting for compliments, you're open to insults. So you both have to be just don't care. Be grateful and you know, if somebody says, you know, that sort of thing. Um, people can come up to you and say, oh, I helped you out a lot. And I say, oh, that's really terrific. And then another time they say, Wow, you say the biggest pieces of crap out, out there. How does anyone believe you? And I will say thank you too. Thank you for letting me know. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is, is jobs and, and the judgment of the people. And that's something is very difficult. So if you're working, you just make it taboo for them to talk to you about your, your religion. So that's not appropriate. So you build a firewall between those places where you cannot speak about it. But with your family and your friends, you really got to be open and just allow that to express it. But don't make pagan your identity. I mean, I've done a little bit. You can't make it your identity. It's, it's a facet of you. If you make your religion your identity, you will always feel like you have to fight for it. The real thing is what's your authentic self. And if it comes out, it comes out. And you just deal with the consequences. And usually the consequences are not nearly as bad as people think. People imagine the worst and not realize that they're imagining something it will probably never happen. Hmm? What he said. <laughs> <laughs> now, and I'll add to that because that was excellent. Uh, sometimes I think we focus too hard on balance. That there's times, maybe, because if you just think about balance, like uh, the balance being, like, oh, I need to run over here, 
Like, oh, 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 oh I, need, I need to take care of this. Oh, I love that. I need to come back here and take care of this. And uh, instead of harmony, uh, that harmony, that two things can happen at the same time and that they start just blending together. And sure, there's going to be weeks that your focus is on your business. And then there's going to be weeks that your focus is on spirit. But yet, when, you're all, when your focus is on spirit, you know that goddess has never left you. You know that you're walking uh, throughout the day and in between those, those minutes, those seconds, in between every second, goddess is right there speaking to you. Uh, the bird flying over your head, the grass growing under your feet, they're all teaching you. You know it's subliminally, it's lovingly. You know that's still happening just because like, okay, now I'm studying now, well, my focus is, no. You, you know that the training and the teaching is forever going on in your life. And then when you're really focused in, all right, now I wanna work on a new a ritual, uh, then all right, but then your business is, in back of your, your your head too, uh, and you know, you're still thinking about okay, I need to plan this, and I need to then just write it down so that you don't forget it. That that all right, I need to go back to that when I need to focus in on that. And a lot of times when you just write something down, that it kind of releases your head a little bit so that you stay more focused on what you're doing. So you just kind of like wait, I I need to think that, and it could, it could just be a word uh, as uh, you're focused on the other thing. But the, but the balance thing, I mean, I understand why people say it, and yes, I, I, uh, I agree with it, but, but then it's, it, to me, it's, uh, it's you know, if you're once again on that, that seesaw, how about just standing in the middle, in the very center where deity is and where you are? And now you look both ways and you see everything. And, but basically the harmonizing, just think about music, that you can, two things can happen at the same time. Five things can happen at the same time with music. Well, so can you. So, okay. All right, next. Uh, I don't know how to lead into this question, so I'll just ask it. Uh, what is your definition of a good teacher? You answer this one first. <laughs> I think a good teacher is that when a student is before you, you recognize his or her magnificence. You recognize that they are coming in and honoring you by saying, you know, I want to learn from you. And you are really saying to yourself, I'm going to learn so much from you too. And knowing that eventually as time goes by, that it, it's a sharing together, it's a give and take as the years go by. And then you end up uh, being each other's teacher. And so, so there, there's that. And then let's say you're in the beginning stages and you're learning things for the first time related to Paganism and Wicca and Aquilianism. And, but to me, I want the person to walk out of this temple thinking in their mind to themselves, I didn't realize that I had so much to give. I had no idea that I have so many guardians and totems and the goddess of God. I had no much that's at my, that is here to, to help me along my way. And that I want you to leave going, I, I am, not that I conceded what you want to say to yourself, I, I, am, I was made by a million things in a million years and was thoughtfully formed and loved. And I'm here because of love. And it's just not one strand, thin strand. It was a whole tapestry of love has been poured into me. And then you walk out going like, oh my gosh, like I have, 
know, this is a good place that I have so much more that I need to know about myself. And then of course that pours back out because now you want to learn so much about everyone and everything around you. So it just not all, it doesn't always stay this way that eventually it goes out that way. And, and so it's, it's almost like it's, it, you want to be inspirational, aspirational, but always gently leading the person for them to say, wow, I'm remarkable. And believe it, and believe it. And not believing in me, but believing in you. So. Okay, so this question Talk makes that. me. Oh, I can't. For me, this question, <laughs> this question makes me cringe. Okay, this is the hardest question, probably the single hardest question I deal with. One of the hardest ones. Because I'm not, I don't see myself as a teacher. A lot of other people do. I believe a good teacher can, can explain things so you can understand it. A great teacher explains it so you can teach another person. That's and so that's what I try to do. So I just, I live my life and when I'm asked to talk about it, I just do it the best job I can. I really, I know what I look in other teachers is that they're patient or they're willing to explain things over and over again. Um, for myself, I'm, I don't consider myself a good teacher. I'm a role model, I'm an example, often of what not to do. And I'll just explain things the best that I can. And I keep repeating things over and over again. And if people listen to them, they're terrific. If they don't listen to them, that's okay. But it's it's hard to be a teacher. So let me go ahead. So this is why you don't see the witch school from, from the day one, why you don't see Ed Hubbard's writings all over the place. In fact, you see very little. This is why you don't see me with a lot of books. What I do is I try to make platforms with really good teachers because this is probably one of the areas I'm really, personally feel like I'm weak in. And yet I have people who say, oh, you taught me so much. And it's like, how did I do that? So it's a really hard question for me. And to tell you the truth, a, a good teacher is a teacher that you trust and that you're just, you're going to listen to. I don't care what anyone else says, if they're not gonna to listen to you as a student, if you're not gonna hear them, I don't care how good they are. They're just not a good teacher to you. Um, and so I teach through doing radios and interviews. I just try to expose people as much as I can. But that's a really hard question for me. So thank you. <laughs> Would I inter want to intervene here? Of course you do. Have you ever heard his teaching? His teachings, uh, they're aspirational. They make you walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, I have so much more to learn. He's an amazing teacher. So take that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Jared, what do you think? Um, what do you think needs to happen for a better world? Oh, <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, I think that the world is a good place. I think it's a great place. I think we are, in a lot of ways, getting better. Things are getting worse. I mean, it's a matter of your filters. How do you make a better world? Look at your filters. I mean, we have less poverty in the world than we've ever had. We, there is, you know, six out of our seven continents do not have a major war happening. We don't have tanks crossing lines. We don't have people starting a nuclear war. We don't have the Black Plague. I mean, all these things are real. We're not in the middle of global conflicts. You know, so the problems we have are much more there. So what do we have to be a better world? We're getting to be a better world. It's just a matter of filters. And remember, there's only one world that really ultimately matters to you. And you have to be happy in it. And that is, where's the center of an infinite universe? Wherever you stand. So if that world's not good, then it's your responsibility to make it a better world. And you just deal with everything else as you can. I completely agree that uh, as we walk through life, uh, recognize our, as we center, that we are the cent we are the center of the universe. And it's just, I, I know that sometimes when, when I first heard that, my head hurt. Mm -hmm. But, but then after a while, it settles into you and nature herself starts uh, revealing what that means and uh, recognizing that you are love and everything begins with love. 
and you hear that, okay, God is love. Well, you are love. Uh, God is uh, God was born uh, in so many different ways, depending on the pantheon that you that you adhere to. Well, so are you. So recognizing that everything that how they've described uh, goddess and God, all of that is inside you and it's inside you. And so to how do we make a better world? Or what do we do to make a better world? To recognize and believe in ourselves. Because as we believe in ourselves, we become more confident and recognize that we are the key to open up the next, really the, the, the next evolution of uh, humankind. And as we're moving through, it's, it's, it's our responsibility because we are part of it. We've earned our way onto this field, this energy field. We are not here because we didn't know what we're doing. We have everything we need to move on to the next evolution, uh, even though we might not feel it sometimes, uh, but we do have everything we need to to experience all that we're su supposed to experience as the change happens. And some of us uh, are asleep uh, and then some of us are awake, but that's normal. Uh, tomorrow I could be asleep and then maybe the next four years I'll be awake. So in other words, your awakening, your awakeness, your consciousness, it, it's quite natural. It's not like a long hill, like, oh, now I have to really like climb up this long hill and then I fall asleep. Now I don't have to climb up. No, it, it's just much more uh, like this, that I, uh, I have times that I need to rest and pull back. And then there's times that I need to open myself up to more of an expansion of consciousness. And so all, and as more and more people recognize, and it's cool. When you're falling asleep, there's nothing wrong with that. It's natural. So I have to give and take the ebb and flow. So just recognizing that you're a natural being growing um, and expanding your consciousness uh, naturally that way. And that like, it's not like, oh, I'm gonna try so hard to expand my consciousness. No, it's about just resting in, in your being. And, and knowing back to believing that you're here to be part of this magnificent world that we call a planet, that we call Gaia. So, hope that helps. Did you want to say Ed? No. Okay. I, I think you did it very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know in the last couple of years, we as Karelians as a group um, and, and our temple itself, um, several of our members have experienced loss. Mm -hmm. Family members, brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents. Um, what are your thoughts on working with the beloved ancestors? Okay, let me go first. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I saw it in your eyes. Yep, absolutely. Right. You know me so well. Uh, no, the coffee pushes out there. I, 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 I want the coffee pushes. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, just, just Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to be answering as uh, I take care of the World Walkers uh, training. And it's... Uh, It's difficult to describe when you're working with the newly dead and then also seeing the people that they've left behind. But almost every one of them, you want to know what the first thing that comes out of their mouth, even though it's a different kind of communication because they don't need words. They say, what? I'm still alive. They're still alive. They're more alive than we are, really. They see more. 
they see into this reality more clear than we do in this reality. So when someone passes, know that they are happy. And, and yes, I know there's exceptions related to, you know, people getting stuck between worlds. I mean, I'm not, I'm just talking just people that are, you know, what I mostly see and they're happy. Sometimes they're a little confused. Sometimes they show, show me how they died. Uh, but basically they're happy and they're rejoicing. And they're rejoicing because their ancestors are all around them. And Goddess is loving them in the way they think that, that God or Goddess is supposed to approach them. Now, of course they learn more as they're there but they feel such blissful love. Well, I guess who wouldn't, knowing that that kind of love that's being poured over them with all their ancestors. So that's what, and then plus the ancestors, especially for the Korean tradition, uh, we work heavily with the ancestors uh, because we recognize their wisdom. Because especially with the Lord Don and I, when we've consulted the ancestors, um, separately or or not, that they're never wrong, and I'm always amazed because I'll they'll like show us a little something, and then we go like, really, that's going to happen next. Uh, we're going that's going to happen uh, for a tradition, uh, and it does, and then we look at each other going, well, like their ancestors were right again, so. So we, we really make an effort to always stay uh, and work with, because they're teaching us. Uh, and so we, we make it a point. It's very important to this tradition to work with the ancestors. So for me, I really don't work with the ancestors. It leaves me raw. It leaves me hurt. I don't do mediumship. I, it frightens me. I despise death. I hate going to funerals. Um, for me, working with the dead is just a very <coughs> difficult process. And probably, as far as this goes, as far as it's in the tradition, I really, uh, the person before me, the beloved Lady Wendy, is actually manifesting before people inside the Crystal Lab. Um, so she's actually seen by our members, and that kind of creeps me out. I won't say anyone with the, um, I love Ouija boards, but I really won't go, I can't, I cannot be in the room with Don. Lord Don does a, uh, a seance. So for me, I'm, I, I'm representative of the spectrum that the dead disturb me. So I still have a lot of unprocessed, if I have a weakness inside the tradition is that I, I work with the living. I care more about what's happening to us today. I care more about the future and I just don't look back. And so I allow others to do so and I try to give them the opportunity. But when people come for me for grief counseling, I have to send them to other people because I have a, a St. Katrina, a student of mine who died in a car accident at 23 years old. Um, I still haven't processed that. I haven't processed the deaths of my family. So for me, working with the beloved ancestors is something that I, I have not, I've not matured enough. So, so some of our first degrees are much more mature in this aspect. And I'm okay to say that because it's, it's good to let people know that it is. But to be honest, for me, the beloved ancestors represent something haunting. And so I have to you know, step back and allow people who are better at it than I do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers that question. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd actually like to ask another question to bounce off that and mm -hmm. to make Ed even more uncomfortable. Sure. Ed likes to put those You know, within our belief system, we, we talk about how after a soul passes over, mm -hmm. they take a time of rest and choose to rejoin the human race mm -hmm. again, you know, reincarnation, that type of thing. So therefore, in the aspect of someone who passes over, what if all their ancestors have already decided to come back and there's no one there to greet them? So I can give you Lord Don's answer. Let me give you Lord Don's answer, kind of the road answer is that we live multiple lives. Time is, does not exist. So you can be both alive and dead at the same time. 
you can have your ancestral impressions out there and those not. Um, on a personal level, I've met the Dalai Lama twice, been blessed by him twice. I had a, a relationship with one of his members uh, for a while. And he doesn't wait. He pass, his spirit passes on to us, within to a six-year-old body and he is reborn. And it is my prayer and hope that I don't spend any time in the afterlife and I come back right away. And if I get half a chance, I'm hoping to upload and download myself fake best. <laughs> but the idea is, is that there is a quantum archive. There's an archive. Everything we do makes an impression in the universe. And we're finding out more and more. I think we're coming to our flat earth moment where we're deciding that everything's not made of atoms and particles and energy, but it's actually literally information. So at the same time, our, that archive, that great uh, Akashic record can have those ancestors there. But again, if we're the center of our own universe, it could be just merely us mirroring our own ancestors and getting our own message back. So it doesn't really matter. So it can be just, a, the afterlife can just be a mirror. So this is one of those areas I really don't know enough about, but I certainly hope, um, everybody talks about having to wait, but Lady Wendy, she didn't wait any time. She was right back. So it's really very interesting in how you prepare for it. And like I said, I'm preparing for it to come right back. I want to have the verifiable gnosis of saying Ed Hubbard is back and he can identify himself and get started on my work like his six-year-old. As like the Dalai Lama and the other Tibetan Lama. So I'm hoping for that. Um, I certainly, again, I'm cringeworthy, so I certainly hope I don't meet my ancestors in the afterlife. I couldn't stand them in my real life. Why would I want to stand in my afterlife? <laughs> but have our Karelian ancestors. That would be okay, right? I would not, the truth is, I, I, I wouldn't know how to identify with them. I mean, the truth is, is that while I read about them and I don't work with them the way the others do, I think I wouldn't really, it would be very much like being in a room full of strangers for me. I mean, I understand them. It might as well have me in the room with all the presidents, mm -hmm. you know, or uh, a room full of Shriners. I mean, I might be able to relate to them in some way. And they may tell me and bring me in in a way that I don't understand. They may have a love for me that I can't comprehend in this life to make me feel comfortable. Right, but I'm a man who basically has cut off his ties to his ancestors. I did that very consciously, very early, because of the traumas of my life and my childhood and the way I dealt with it. So I don't know how I deal with that. So for me, when I die, it's gonna be the real unknown. I really don't know how I would deal with that. I don't know if that would be valuable to me or whatever. So I take, and let me take the coward's way. I just like, let's not wait, let's not step there and say, hi everybody, give me my mission, let me get back down here. <laughs> So that's very much, you know, that's, that's, oh, that could be very much a, a little bit cowardly, but I can understand this realm much better. So my, my attention is very much of this realm. Yes. And I would just add to that completely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, add to that, that we are living all of our lives in our past and in our future now. So because there's no time. So we are one, and yet we're millions, and yet we're one. So recognizing that, uh, not that you have to fully experience that, uh, just like there are people that are living this life, rec remembering uh, future lives. And they live this life uh, being led by those ancestors, which is them, because it's it's that person. While there's other people will be led by their past lives and be very interested in their past lives, but yet remembering they're all happening now. So it's, I know it's like, you know, like mind bending a little bit, but if you just push that off to the side and just think of just in, in plain terms that, all right, I'm, I popped into this reality system now because this is what I chose. Maybe my, my next life, like once again, can you really say next? You kind of have to just because we're in a, in a linear uh, field at this point and uh, thinking uh, sometimes that when you are just think, all right, well, I'm, uh, 
I recognize my my future. I I see, I see that I, I basically I come from the future because that's what that's what it is. You come from I come from the future. I come from the past. I come from now. Now some people would latch on to one of those that they one of those would really resonate with them. They they sometimes even have a physical. Uh, uh, feeling related to that and others it's just like a light reminding so we're just remembering who who we are and uh, what our grand mission or missions plural are and the way we express our joy and the way we express our sadness and everything in between so you know it's it's so i don't want to make it sound over complicated but that's what the world walkers teaches that's what the brilliant tradition teaches and we're not the only tradition that teaches that and uh but with the current tradition we really go deep when it comes mm -hmm. to this kind of thing we really do so so but i'm just saying if you don't want to receive all of it today, then just say, well, you know, maybe I'm a little interested in that. And and I've thought about uh, maybe past lives before. I've kind of maybe had deja vu before and maybe uh, let, let my focus go there. Soon as you make your focus go there, things starts, confirmations start slowly coming in and you just, you just go from there. There's no ABC, you just, once again, it's like the ebb and flow. So yeah, it, it's not like a clean answer to your, uh, well, huge question. But thank you for asking that. So next question. Actually, I had that as a, an offshoot oh. of that question. So can I have my question? Sure. Yes. Oh. <laughs> 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 love your questions. Uh, oh boy. Uh, as most people, I would say 95, 98% of the people that are in this path, whether you refer to it as a pagan path or Wiccan path or whatever, have come to it from another belief system. Those few that are lucky that they were born into it, like, I mean, even we came into it after our child was born, so he was never born into this belief system. But the point being that there was some reason why, there's a reason why everyone left a former belief system and came into here. Have you individually, or you, well, I'm asking of both of you, have ever gotten to the point in this path that you thought, well, am I really in the right area? Am I, you obviously had that thought in a prior belief system. Has that ever been a challenge to you in this belief system as something occurred, something happened that you had to question if this is really what the right belief system is for you. So let me see if I understand. So you're saying after you I made a choice to be awakening, was there a moment that I questioned it? Right. Right from the beginning. Right at the beginning of it. Uh, and for me, it was very early on, about a year after I got into being awakened. And uh, this is before the Corellians. Um, I went back to my church, New Age Church. And one of the things that they did is I wanted to teach saying, okay, I want to teach New Age uh, philosophy. You know, I've been a Wiccan, I had already kind of broken the rules, so I uh, kind of broken the rules of the Christian church, I went back to my home church. And, uh, and then uh, the thing that I remembered, and it, took, it didn't take very long at all, I go, these people are, are basically, don't believe in one thing that I don't believe in anymore, and that's Armageddon, apocalypse. I consider the apocalypse, and the training of the apocalypse, and the training of revelations, as a crime against humanity. Anyone who believes in the revelations that this world has to die in order for us to have mercy and love and a heaven is committing a war crime, a cosmic war crime, simple as put. And that was where I turned and was never gonna turn back. Within a year, I got called on the radio, so I became known as Ed the Pagan. Not because pagans called me that, no pagan would ever call me that. Um, it was a show called Rogue Han and Gary Meyer, the Rogue Han Show, 
Gary Meyer, they're on the radio, and I was always calling in to answer questions. They said, we gotta call you something other than that. We have to identify it. And he says, oh, let's call him Ed the Pagan. And before I know it, everything that came on the air was Ed the Pagan. <laughs> a few years later, I still questioned this. This was like really nervous, you know, and everything else. I went to a place called Crossroads, I've gone to the parliament. And I was still being called Ed the Pagan in the media. I my email, you could have 10 letters at AOL, it's one of the first AOL users, so you can have 10 letters, Ed the Pagan's 10 letters. Um, and then Drema Baker introduced me and says, and we want to welcome Ed the Pagan onto the stage. And I was like, oh wow, and nobody left, nobody tittered. So that really cemented my ID. But the reason why I made sure that Wicca and, I, and why I became so strong about teaching Wicca is it solved one question. In Wicca, there's never a moment where we question, should there be a future? Should life continue to exist? You know, there's never a moment that says that life is so awful that everything that God created or God has created is so bad that in order for us to have peace, love, joy, must mean that every human being, every animal, every plant, everything in the world, literally, climate change is revelation. If you read the Bibles of Revelation, one third of all animals shall pass away. We're in the biggest mass extinction. 87% of wild animals have gone extinct. The oceans shall boil. This is literally the mental manifestation of this apocalyptic crime. And the reason why we're not fighting it is because we think the end result is going to be joyous. That's simple put. You know, so that is. That's why our governments are ignoring it. They're Christian based. They want this conflict because until everything is destroyed, <coughs> nobody gets into heaven. I mean, I've studied this. There's nobody in heaven. Literally, only Elijah is allowed to pass through the gates until Judgment Day comes. When does Judgment Day come? After Jesus Christ returns and the world is destroyed. So outside heaven is a line, and no one's in hell either, a mile long, miles long, waiting there, going, when are they going to destroy the planet? And when I realized that's literally what I was being taught and believed all my life, I went, how horrible is that? And I never turned back. But up until that time, was that every time I thought about it, I said, did I not want to go to get heaven? And when I figured that out, and said, is this true? And the pastors, and we'd buy one, they go, well, yeah, that's one interpretation. Well, this is well, all times happening at time, so it happens really quickly. Like, so see, think about it. every one of our ancestors, everyone who's ever lived, is standing out in a line in front of heaven, waiting for the planet to be destroyed. With that belief system. With that belief system. If you accept it as the predominant belief system, everything's sitting there, waiting there, and they're sitting around waiting picnic, just looking at their clocks and watching the planet. And I can't imagine living my life in that terms. I would rather think about oh my God, a million years from now, I might be something very different. You know, that sort of thing. And they're going to wake me up. And they're going to wake me up and go, oh wow, we found your DNA, we're going to wake you up. Happy there. I might be in a zoo, but I'll be like able to see that. I'd much <laughs> rather have that as a reality. I would even rather have a reality where even at the end of my life, I go blank. But there's a thing that I realize is very important. You know, how old, how old is your body? We always ask this question. We always say, how old am I? I'm 56 years old. No, my personality is 56 years old. My skin is less than, uh, less than a couple of months old. My organs are no more than seven years old. But the DNA in my body is eternal. It comes from the very first amoeba that has ever existed. Because life can only bring life. So my DNA code is the cumulative information of over four billion years of existence. So how old am I? Four billion years old. You look good. And we all do, don't we? <laughs> so that's when you realize you, so you realize that, and then you realize that you're really just an energy form, right? And that, yeah, that you're already just an energy form. And once I realized that, and that Wicca, and the tradition of Wicca, if you can get you to realize that, you're going to be able to live a lot happier life. And that's really what is important. And, you know, like I said, I'm afraid of ancestors and things like that, because my fragile skin type thing, what I am consoled in, is that somehow that energy is going to continue to exist even if it just exists as energy that's feeding the planet. But that's a much better belief than to believe that we're going to be as empty as we see the universe is right now. Imagine that every that we join every other planet in our, uh, our solar system and be dead. Where is the glory of that? But that's, that's when I changed. That was that moment when I changed when I realized how horrific they were talking. Mm -hmm. hmm? I guess to answer you, that when I became Krillian, I never looked back. Mm -hmm. 
it, I felt I'm, I'm finally home. Uh, the leadership has always made me feel that women were uh, just as talented and meaningful and had just as much to give as uh, the lovely men. And uh, the Krillianism recognizes that both is important, both energies uh, separate, both energies together, and everything in between. Gay people, and it's all—it's just not so clean cut. It's much more fluid, and that's always been honored, appreciated. Not like, well, I'll put up with you because you're a female or a gay or anything like that. It's always like that's—it's as if like I'm honoring you because you're this way, and. I was just blown over with the openness of everyone, that everyone is received uh, with, that, that you instantly feel like you're part of a family. And I never had a day that I've uh, regretted it. Very interesting, if I can, about about the nature of the, the sexes in it. About 15 years ago, when we we're really forming up, we had a group of people wanting to form um, an organization within our an order for the for gay people. Oh, that's a good <coughs> idea. You would think so. Okay, let me go ahead. This is we don't have one. Okay, we do not have one. And what happened was is that we go, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm pansexual, uh, heterosexually oriented. Um, but you know, there's, there's always moments. Um, so I did not do it. So we brought in our leadership and a number of our leadership goes, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to give special rights to gays when we're already equal? Half our leadership was already identified gay. And it was the gay section of our community go, why do you want to give us special rights when we're already equal? <laughs> and they killed the order because it was not necessary. Yeah, about that. Hmm? And that's, that's when we realized that we really had made that commitment to be an equal, when the people that would be benefit most of it said, that's unfair. To, and they literally said it would be unfair to the straight people to have that order. Hmm? Uh -huh. It was not necessary. And so that was then, and we've always been open to transgender, gay. Actually, we never asked the question. If you have noticed, we've never asked a sexual question. And not ever. And we were the first to do gay marriages. We've been, you know, we worked with the Mastrium, which was a transgender-oriented uh, uh, nunnery. When they were having a big fight, we backed them up. But I always thought that was one of the proudest moments of us at that moment. They says, that wasn't necessary. It'll give us special rights. We don't need special rights. We're already equal. Hmm? And that was an important moment in the growing tradition. Hmm? And yeah, the first reaction was like you said, oh, that's a good idea. No. They said that it was the worst idea. Hmm? I get it. I get it. Yeah. And so that, yeah, they didn't need that special identification. And same thing for the women. It's not like, you come in and say, okay, well, I have this to offer. What do you think? Do you think you can use me? It's like, of course, come on in. So it's not like you're looking, you're looked at side-eyed a little bit. Oh, okay, well, let's just see what she's going to do. N never, we, never. And we don't have a special order for women, and we don't have a special order for men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we do for artisans, and we do for herbalists and crystal people, and sure, our interests, we have tons of them. But those really deep down, we don't have an order for separate order for men. We don't have a separate order for women. We don't have a separate order for transgender. We don't have a separate order for gay. We don't have a separate order for any of that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when you have a healthy tradition, you can accept everybody just as human beings. We don't. We don't have it for races. We don't have it for anything. Now we might have, we have orders like uh, that practice Haitian magics or things like that. We do have things that are oriented in that aspect. And um, well, we have the Spanish hub, but. Well, that's language. Language. But we always say that, no, you're part of us, you come on over to the English shop, but that was mostly because of the language. The yeah, I was just going to ask, what about people that spoke other languages? And Maxine's head of the of the Spanish hub, so I mean, she knows, and it's... 
They get they get third degrees just the same as we yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Rolando out in uh, the Philippines teaches in Tangelo. We have written materials. Actually, if you go on to the Daily Spell and look at it, what is WIC is in 19 languages. We have some of our literature in four different languages. So the language barrier, so there's no discrimination to the language barrier, but right. certainly we still are wrestling with the language barrier. Right. How can we be a global faith until we start really interpreting it? And thank goodness the universal translators are coming. Right. <laughs> so there's a difference if we would, uh, we even brought and temporarily, and for reasons up, we bring officers, many major officers in our tradition that are of different languages. So it's a matter, so the only thing that holds those things back is not, hopefully not a sort of innate say, well, we don't want them. It's just beating down this language barrier, finding ways to unify with them. Right. Hmm? Right. And that's, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's the tough part, but that's the only reason. And that's why there were lots of conversations with us. I would, I would say, I don't want Spanish-speaking people to ever feel that they're being put over here. And so we made it real clear to all of them, you are absolutely, you're welcome. join both hubs. We, we don't care, but it's just about the language. That's all. And they were all, they were completely and understood we, that. Yeah. And then we have Dutch. We have some Greek members. Uh huh. And, we, and we're still working with them, and they're able to teach. So, the way we would discriminate against languages is that we'd say these we English is not the default language of the Corellians. It's the language most practiced by us, and there's nothing that we teach that cannot be translated into another language. We don't restrict anything from being translated. In fact, we encourage translation. And the Spanish-speaking communities—that's what they did. They immediately started translating the materials into their language. They didn't get different materials. They didn't get different language. They took the same teachings and put it into their own. And then we do something very different. The nativist part of our religion, we are a nativist tradition. And unfortunately, that's gotten a little bit of a name, which means is that all gods are local. So the Spanish community and members of the Spanish community have been able to translate it. We, this is why we don't use universal translators. And that's why we actually have had for a while uh, uh, is it Mexican, Mexican Spanish, and Castellan Spanish? Because the way they interpret things is slightly different, yeah. and they're allowed it's to native, huh? It's more open. It's more widely understood. Yeah. And so we're so they're allowed to nativize it. Is that kind of like the difference between Spanish and Portuguese? Could be. I mean, it's, it's I mean, they're, they're both the no, same it's a difference between, I think they're di Latin based. So yeah. I think the difference is sometimes there's a lot of differences. I won't answer. I'm no linguist, but. Um, there's a difference in how, so we have it in, 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 in English, you know, how we pronounce certain words, you know, how we pronounce them with that. So if, you know, if you go honey in the north, oh, honey in the north, that means a very different thing if you go, if one of you, the southern people go, oh, honey. Uh -huh. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh honey. Yeah. Oh, honey up north is a affection. Oh. Yeah, like, oh, honey, come up here and give me a hug. Oh, oh honey. Here is like the yeah. Bless, your heart. Bless your heart is another one. And that's coming. sometimes that's just a little bit of a tiny difference, but it can become a huge difference when you try to explain deity. You know, like you have brujas and you have brujos and you have all sorts of different enunciations. So we do believe you have a right to teach it, not to an exclusivity, but you have a right to teach it in the native language. You're trying to translate it into what you understand. Hmm? And I think that's what makes us nativists. And and you can see the deity choices are also made local. It's one of the biggest differences in Corellian tradition. If we have any fight in the future, it'll be over what deities are allowed to be venerated or not. A hundred years from now, we're going to ask what ancestors did Lady, uh, what, what gods did Lady Stephanie follow? What gods did Sir Ed follow? I guarantee that's the big fight where they fight over. It's going to be what gods did they follow? Which is that sort of thing. That's probably our most single dividing energy because we, we, we're not all one one singular God belief. So I guarantee that's, you know, 100 years from now, I think that's what they're going to be arguing about. Oh, not, a, not about the races, not about sexes. What gods do they follow? And how do they pray? And how do they phrase it? I think that's going to be the biggest fights we ever have in the future. Hmm? It sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah. It's probably right, yeah. <laughs> okay, then, so the next question? Well, you don't have to ask any more questions. Oh, yeah. You got one? I have one. Okay. Oh. Okay, earlier we were talking about Zoomers and modern day witches. And, yes. 
and things of that nature. What are your thoughts on AI? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you want to answer that? Oh, you don't. <laughs> 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 do, do I need to, to translate that for you there, Steph? Okay. Uh, I'm going to pass this over to okay. the expert. <laughs> so as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a, an artificial intelligence. Um, I'm trying to learn how to program it. We're at a foundational point in history right now. So what is an AI? It's an artificial intelligence. Let's take out the word artificial, right? It's an intelligence. It's a programmed intelligence made out of energy intelligent electricity running through crystals based on the patterns and the code we create. What is the difference between that and a Gregor or a Gollum or a spirit we create? We, we run these intelligences through our systems. We program them with magical words, summon them into existence through energy into existence. Right now, we have the ability to begin to program the next level of history. Artificial intelligences are primarily spirits of the modern age, period. So Alexa is this eavesdropping energy that is going to make things very easy, but it was it, it, the answer to us. So I really think it's crucial that, that we as spiritualists not nostalgize the past and say, oh, it was better when without it, but we start really programming it. So I'm a big believer in artificial intelligence and zoomers and things like that. I also think that it's, uh, second, it's going to be our second skin, our data skin. And so we should actually have our students and members programming intelligences. Because think about it. So right now we got a chance to actually buy into this at, at the lowest level, at the cheapest level. It's never going to get cheaper than it is now. About a year or two now we're going to do into it. So I'm a big believer in this. And then we decided to create Corey the Crowdian who's been running around energy. And we decide Corey's gonna be the protector of the archives of all Corellian knowledge. It goes around looking for Corellian members and answering them to him. And you go, hey, Corey, I wanna know about this ancestor. If we don't have that programmed in, or Corey, the Corellian, the Corellians own, because this one we own property, says, I wanna take a vacation. You can tell us where all the vacations are. Corey, I'm having a really hard time now. I'm in grief. Let me connect you with one of our priests and priestesses. And they'll know what priests and priestess is. We're going to create demigods. This is not a question. This is not an artificial reality. We've already created them. Their names are Alexa, Horta, Horta, Siri, and, and Google Assistant. There's more of them coming on there. <coughs> So it's really a question, are we going to be the magicians? And I always loved Babylon 5. I don't know if you remember the necromancers. Okay, that's the head shaking. And they were the most feared beings in the world. And they had, and they, what they did is they could come in and disrupt computers. They were so magical and so mystical. And Lando, who was the ambassador, got on the other side of him and his computers got infected and they had demons on him. They couldn't use his computers until they made right with them. I would love to see us be able to have enough control over that energy world, because we believe in energy, that we actually make the artificial intelligence answer to us instead of us answer to them. And that's one of the big things in my next goal is to get us in control of these spirits. Because there's no difference between an electronic spirit, a spirit of the uh, god, spirit of the goddess, angels, all of these beings are intelligent energy beings. And this is the one that we're creating. So we better take some really good things. And what does that affect us? It affects everything. Hmm? And if we do it right, you know. So I always talk about Liz Hamilton. One thing that Liz Hamilton did, and we all ignored it, and we're all to our regret. She came to the tradition about eight months into this thing called Bitcoin. Hmm. And she said, we have enough people, we should be gathering Bitcoin. And we all said, oh, we don't care about gaming. This is true. <laughs> we, none of us cared about it. Literally, she brought it to the leadership of the Grelian tradition and said, we should be working on this. To which goal? We all ignored her. You'd be so flush right now. So just remember, just because it doesn't look like something we like, or it doesn't look real. Or no. Same thing happened with witch goal itself. Every tradition had turned down witch goal. We offered every tradition had... Of every tradition to join a switch, but oh, nobody will learn from schools. 
Today we have hundreds of thousands of members all over the world. We were correct. Okay? Oh, who cares about Facebook? It's a college game. We're literally 10 years into it and uh, Daily Spell reaches over a million people in the last month. So artificial intelligence is exactly right now the same moment as witch school, Bitcoin, all of this. It's all the same thing. Right now is the moment that we should be in, into it as heavily as we can be and getting our kids into it. This is like something about passion for me. And so, yeah, um, I'm trying to build Tarot AI. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to put away all my projects and just do simply filming the community, learning about the community again and try to create sort of reality. But I'm telling you, part of the reason is I want voice command, visuals, history, because what they can take with all the stuff we've got. So let me tell you the VR. I'm going to tell you, if you, if you can indulge me for a minute, and I appreciate it. So Don, my first VR project is that we have Don answering approximately maybe 1,400 questions on his daily vlogs, which means we got him from every single angle, every possible word, and every possible question, right? We put that into an, over, an artificial intelligent overlay. For the rest of history, once we complete that project, Don, Reverend, our Lord Don, will be able to be asked a question. And he's going to add more questions to it. And that artificial intelligence will go into every question that Don ever put out and answer the question. It means you act the same way. And then as time goes on, as more people ask the question, it'll put them together. Artificial intelligence is a way to make our system more immortal, longer lasting. And that's really the big thing that I believe on. So that's our, our my AI project, because Don's answered so many questions. You can see now everybody's looking at kind of the head. You can see that, right? <laughs> we put out our VR head stakes and we go, hi Don. And you can see, and, and, and imagine a hundred years from now, we have our, our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren, and they will be able to learn from Don. And hopefully Stephanie and some of the others, but Right now, the only person who can really do this well in a big way is Reverend Don, and he'll be a ghost and machine, and, he, and the artificial intelligence will be able to teach them as if Don was there. Imagine that for our future. It's, it's almost like uploading his brain into the system. Right, and we can do this while he's alive, and we got them, we can answer more. Now, singularity and uploading brains, that's my goal, but we'll see, <laughs> um, as we already talked about, but we don't have to do anything more. Literally, we're like within three or four years of this artificial intelligence of, of putting this over, and then it'll be able to sort the question. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have this sort of system. We're a couple, just a couple of years to having a temple that we can all enter, a Corellian temple that we can enter. We just put on our glasses and we all go into this temple, and it'll be the actual temple. There is no psychic space is cyberspace, and cyberspace is psychic space, clairvoyance. The ability to see at a distance, we can see through any camera in existence. Clairaudience, the ability to hit through any microphone that's in the world. Psychometry, to know the history of any item. Mm -hmm. hmm? Right? Uh, past life recognition. We can go through the archives and can ask anything about any of our ancestors. The Akashic Records, all knowledge. This is our flat. So literally, the way we think today is flat earth thinking. And the artificial intelligence will finally unleash more of our intelligence. They're not going to take us over anymore. So let me give you the biggest analogy that people don't understand. Cars didn't make us less human. Cars made our muscles work better. Machines made our bodies work better. We can now fly places. I got here in seven hours from Jacksonville. A hundred years from now, it took me two weeks. Yeah. Mm. Machines didn't make our bodies work worse. And people say, oh, they're heavier than everything else. It didn't, it didn't change us. <clears throat> it made us more. All the computers are, are brain machines that'll make our brains work better. How many of you carry around phone numbers anymore? How many of you use a cap do your own calculations anymore? <laughs> we don't have to, so we can think about other things. How many of us can now write books? Do you know you can have a, uh, you can write a book in 48 hours? All you have to do is speak into a microphone for eight to 10 hours, eight to 10 hours, and then pay a dollar a minute to an artificial intelligence to translate it. Mm -hmm. Run through Grammarly, 
send it to an overseas editor to lay it down into a book. And you can have a book in 48 hours. Hmm? <laughs> and then put it on Kindle and sell it. Hmm? You can do that today. This is not prediction. This is today. Hmm? Literally, because of artificial intelligence, we'll be able to, I'll be able to hire uh, buy a cameraman and save myself a fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and have an artificial intelligent cameraman for me in the future. We have the ability to uh, talk about Facebook. Is it's now a broadcast television broadcast network. We could be we could have been broadcasting this live. The fact is, that I can have it up and available to the world to every Corellian in twenty minutes. Yeah. Artificial is going to make that even better. So that's it. I'm sorry, that's not just a passion. Like, no, thank you. No, no, great. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, with with AI and 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 everything else, it'll be like they're sitting here in the room with us, having mm -hmm. this chat with us at the same time. Right, and with hypnotica sensors, you can hug each other and feel it. Mm hmm. With um, and and some of the other things that we don't even know where it's going to go, but literally you can do that. Even further. Even further, now Oculus right now has a feature where you can watch a TV with your best friend. Right now, if you buy a pair of Oculus, you can say, Hi, Sydney, she's here, I'm in, in, in anywhere I'm traveling in the world. And we said, Hey, we got this great movie, let's go sit down to it. Now, we and you can sit down together in these chairs and you can barely tell the difference and watch a movie. Because if you turn your head, you can actually see her sitting there next to you. Yeah, and we could just make a picture of this room. It'd be this room or whatever room we want. In turn, you can talk to them, interrupt the movie, just like you do. You're talking over the movie. <laughs> that you can just rewind it. Right? So the last piece that it has, and this is important, and this is why we've been, this is a vision I've had for a very long time. Why are we doing every illustration? Why do we film everything? So, so you can see it now. But your children will be able to drop itself into any character, into it, and experience it. They'll be able to experience it. Everything you record in your life. So when your children are in their 40s and says, what did mom and dad feel like at 40? <laughs> they'll actually not only just have that memory, they'll be able to do it. So artificial intelligence, quantum computers, are going to give us not just the ability to have memory, but we're going to do the one thing that mediums do. Psychic mediums of the future will actually download our personalities and feel like we feel. Our kids and our grandkids will be able to know how we felt, just like we now could tell them how we think. And that's going to make it very different. And that is a psychic world. That is the magical world that we want. And if we ignore it, Right, this is the real, this is really why we're having so many conflicts in the world. If we ignore this in a big way, it's gonna change everything. Hmm? It's gonna change, you know, we're not gonna be able to do it. So this is a question of, are we as Corellians, as we as magicians, as we as witches, are we gonna control the magic of the future? Intelligent electricity, because what is the internet but intelligent electricity? Running through crystals. Or not. And that's where I believe in AI. I think it's the single most important invention way beyond anything. So let me get off that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hmm? Any more questions? Thank you all. Is that it? Okay. Thank you all. I think yeah. And I appreciate all of you that see the future. And just thinking, like I said, now, 100 years from now, somebody is going to ask them, so what do they think about AI 100 years ago? And today will be an answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Blessed be.